Welcome to this episode of TBR, a series of the EVPL Footnotes podcast. TBR stands for To Be Read, that pile of books sitting on your nightstand, bookshelf, or table just waiting to be read. This is the podcast for people who embody the phrase, so many books, so little time, and for those who want to ignite a love for reading. Every month we'll be highlighting a few of the new items coming to the EVPL collection, from books to movies to our library of things. I am today being joined by Chase Brazier, and he is one of our staff members that works out at EVPL Red Bank. Uh, Introduce yourself to us a little bit. Yes. Hi, my name is Chase. I have been with EVPL for almost two years now as an experienced facilitator. I began at Central. Now I'm at Red Bank. I do a lot of tech assistance and kind of whatever is asked of me just about, whether it's helping you sign up for your tax appointment or finding a tax form or just helping you figure out how to change that password on your phone. So I enjoy reading when I can and my to be read is also something that is ever growing yes i mean i would like to ask writers everywhere to take a nice long pause and for me to be able to just stay home and read for a while i don't think even then i would actually catch up oh never (laughs) i've just kind of embraced the fact i will never read all the books that i would like to get read it's just a sad fact of life yeah but always something to look forward to at least So we have received a list of items coming in for March. And as we do on this program, we've each kind of picked a handful of things that stuck out to us. So why don't you go first? Yeah. So the first book that caught my eye, and of course, since it was a list, I had to look up all the covers to see if I could judge it by that as well. (laughs) And the first title that jumped out at me was called... um, your Brain on Art, How the Arts Transform Us by Susan Magsman and Ivy Ross. I never realized how much of a nonfiction reader I tend to be sometimes because mm-hmm. I always thought I only like fiction. But every once in a while, I look back in my year of reading and I realize some of my favorite books were nonfiction, whether it's a right. memoir or biography. Mm-hmm. But this one, I read the summary and it's a study on how different activities of the arts, whether it's painting or dancing, writing, architecture, whatever, how they are essential to our lives and our health. There's research that shows how some factoids include engaging in an art project for as less 45 minutes reduces the stress hormone cortisol, no matter your skill level. One art experience a month can extend your life by 10 years. And it kind of goes on about, I think each chapter probably digs into a different facet of that, whether it's using a tuning fork to create those sound waves to relax you and ease your stress. And uh, it's kind of talking about even how doctors apparently have been prescribing museum visits to address loneliness and dementia and other things. And art is something... I play a little guitar. I've been wanting to get into writing and a mm-hmm. bunch of other things. I know a bunch of artists and you, you definitely see a change when they've finished something or they're in the zone and they mm-hmm. just seem to be in their element. I think it's kind of interesting that there's a book on it now. Yeah, so that's yeah. definitely what I'm interested in now. So when we throw out the phrase art therapy, there's actually some legitimacy behind that. Most definitely. And it really made me think of another book I'd read once called Quiet. I can't remember the author. I remember seeing that title and Mm -hmm. wanting to read it. I don't think I ever did. Yeah, it was an interesting study on 
introvert and extrovert and how it's really a spectrum. Everyone says, oh, I'm an introvert or Mm -hmm. I'm an extrovert. Well, it turns out there's kind of a gradient where you may be extroverted in this situation, but introverted in others and things. That was an interesting book on how the mind and your personality and all that kind of flows into each other to make you who you are. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking of that when I was reading about this book. So that's why I'm really looking forward to this. I've already placed it on hold. So I think I'm first in line. So I'm looking forward to it. Now that is the occupational hazard of knowing the new books that are coming in. My hold list grows. And the danger is I'm often trying to wrangle more books than I can read at a time. And then I'll get several holds that come in all at the same time. I am ongoing trying to balance that, but it's a constant challenge. Yeah, I usually try my best to be honest with myself and say, okay, half of these are not going to be read. There's other people waiting. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll wait for it to come back or I'll maybe I'll get the audiobook when that comes out or right, something like right. that. I have been working more with audiobooks, you know, just to make the most of my commute times and at least a few more titles under my belt, as it were. Oh, for sure. So the book that I chose first was called The Killing of Lord George It's by Carl Shaw. It's a nonfiction exploration of the murder of, at that time, England's wealthiest and most famous showman. Now, when they use the word showman, I think of the greatest showman. So that was uh, Barnum, wasn't it? Uh, I'm not sure. I almost just said Hugh Jackman. Yeah, (laughs) that's the right actor. I love that movie. But I actually don't know if he falls into the same kind of category, but he was a very famous showman. The murder took place in November 1911. And so this book falls in the category of true crime and the exploration of who killed him and why. Mm. But it also kind of does a layered approach of how he rose to fame, who he was, because I had never heard of this person. Of course, this was set in London, and I'm not up to speed on any but the most famous of English Men, I'm afraid. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a very deep pool to dive that into. Is, it is. So, we've got his rise to fame. It also goes into, which I had heard about this a little before, the way the media of the time would um, stories like that. They were they were definitely sensationalists. Not a lot has changed, I don't think, <laughs> in that respect, but. During the time period of just really splashing the most and very loosely in their facts just to sell those papers. And so it's a combination of who was this guy, how the media portrayed the whole investigation and and then the investigation itself. And I actually don't know if they if it's one of those unsolved mysteries or if they do determine who actually killed him. So it's almost a Victorian English unsolved mystery episode sounds like it sounds like which is right in my wheelhouse i really love that time period and that location for reading or exploring or even the period pieces that i'll watch when i am looking for a movie to binge on yeah i mean i am a sucker also just for any murder mystery just Mm -hmm. about where i don't look for them but if i pick one up i the next time i'm putting it down i'm at least halfway through the book right right I don't want to say it's a guilty pleasure. It's really just more so just they they just know how to get me sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoy a good murder mystery as well. I'm a big fan of the Louise Penny series. I also, and she is lesser known, but I really, really like her writing, Ellie Griffiths. She's got two series and... The one series only has like three stories in it so far, but the other one has 15. It's the Ruth Galloway series. And the first one in that series is called The Crossing Places. Mm. 
And I, I stumbled across her in her other series and really, really liked it. And so I started reading more and more of her books. So I used to say, oh, be well-rounded in your reading. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm also going, hey, there's some people that are experts in their genre for a reason. So if I enjoy it, that's what I'm going to go <laughs> with. <Yeah>. So, <laughs> All right. What's next up on your list? Well, you mentioned kind of being a well-rounded reader. So a lot of times I do my best. I try to always read one nonfiction for every fiction mm-hmm. and just try to keep myself balanced there. So after that nonfiction book, I have a fiction book, um, A House with Good Bones by Kingfisher. I was automatically grabbed by the very brief sort of description of haunting Southern Gothic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a fan of those types of horror stories and it's essentially a haunted house type story in which a daughter is visiting um, her mom and just things are off and basically frights abound, I assume. But it's definitely something I'm interested in because I think last year I read more horror than anything I read. Really? And a couple of those were based in haunted houses or buildings. There was one called the grip of it about a couple that they buy their first house and it turns out to be incredibly haunted oh my. and one chapter is from the husband's point of view then the next chapter is the wife's point of view oh, wow. and they're they have moved away from the city in order to kind of rekindle their marriage and stuff mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. but now each person knows that the house is haunted but they don't want to admit it and seem crazy to the other person uh-huh. And there's this whole, like, just be honest with each other kind of thing. And it was pretty decent. And then I also had read a horror story by Grady Hendrix. That was a haunted Ikea. Um, not really a haunted house, but close. And that one was really fun. It reminded me of kind of like a Evil Dead type kind of horror. And Grady Hendrix also just came out with How to Sell a Haunted House. I was which just going to mention that title, yeah. really want to read, that. but it's one of those with a decent hold list right now. And, and I'd also read a book called hell house by richard matheson that came out in around the same time as the exorcist and they read very similarly and i think that's one of the scariest books i've ever read in my oh life oh my goodness oh my goodness so yeah a southern gothic horror story in a haunted house i'm gonna be kind of interested in it i like that genre i like the spooky but i don't always like the true i can't oh, go to yeah. sleep tonight kind of books <laughs> So I I love a good spooky book, but within reason for my own state of mind. (laughs) Yeah, I I felt like with Grady Hendrix, there's enough humor kind of. Mm -hmm. That's why I alluded to sort of Evil Dead, where it kind of you're just kind of rooting for the hero to be in this horrible situation that's spooky and scary. However, I have heard that How to Sell a Haunted House has some very intense moments where some friends of mine had to put down the book and kind of take a moment to gather themselves. Now, so so far, the only book by Grady Hendrix I've read is The Final Girl Support Group. Oh, yeah, definitely. Which was really good. I really like the titles. There's another one by him called Southern Women's Book Uh, Club Guide to Slaying Vampires. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely in my TBR pile. Yeah, that's one. I feel like the good thing about working in a library is I may not have read the book, but if you give me a title, I've probably shelved it. So I know exactly what the cover looks like and all that. So, I I mean, I know it better by this book cover. Agreed. (laughs) I I experience the same thing sometimes, depending on the title. This is not true of all the books, of course. But I'll hear a title and I can picture it immediately and know right where it is sitting on the shelf. Mm -hmm. So that's a a useful skill to develop. (laughs) Oh, definitely. (laughs) 
All right. So the next book that I chose, and and the first one, of course, was a nonfiction. This is a fiction one called A Death in Denmark by Amelia Malati. I'm making a stab at the pronunciation <laughs> of this name. It is the first in a series, the Gabriel Prost series, an ex-Copenhagen cop is dealt with in the past Nazi collaborators and in the present anti-Muslim attitudes and issues. And so he encounters this murder, and it's one of those open and shut cases. This person killed this person, end of story. And everybody's heard about the story, and everybody knows who the guilty party is. But his ex-wife contacts him and says, you know what, there's more to this story. And he does it more as a favor. He doesn't really believe there is more to the story. But as a favor, he decides to look into this murder and suddenly he's not so sure. And there's a lot of powerful people that are giving him pushback as he goes into and find out who's actually guilty of this murder. And so I like those ones with it got those layers and layers of, well, why is this person pushing back? And why is this person if he is the patsy, you know, because some of these stories you get to the end and no, it really was them, you know. Yeah. And I almost said a title, but it's something kind of recent, so I don't want to say it because of spoiler. But there is a, a story I read not long ago where at the end of the story, the person that they thought was guilty was guilty. That's why I don't want to presume that yeah. at the end of the story, they're going to find, oh, no, it's this whole different thing, you know. Yeah, sometimes those sorts of plots, I, I feel like I'm wading through like waist high weeds or something right. where – it's sort of you almost become a conspiracy theorist with every possible character that's introduced where mm -hmm. you constantly think they are playing a part of it or someone isn't. The way you you spoke of it reminded me of a book I read called The Yiddish Policeman's Union oh, by interesting. Michael Sh Chabon, Chabon. I'm sorry, but it was almost kind of alternative history where instead of Jewish, Jewish people going to Israel, mm -hmm. they created a jewish state out of alaska instead Interesting. and it's about living in that area instead but it also dealt with a murder where it seems pretty cut and dry mm -hmm. but then as the protagonist and his partner start speaking with other witnesses and characters it kind of keeps growing and growing mm -hmm. into this bigger deal than you really imagined kind of thing so when you're that entire plot that that was just screaming at me of like oh it's going to keep snowballing into right, this crazy right. puzzle so what's next up on your list the next book i'm excited about is chlorine by jade song it's a debut novel by new writer and it's described as a coming-of-age narrative with a dark unsettling horror tale which that kind of falls in line with my horror loving self it's about a character named rin yu who's a swimmer and she has her teammates that support her, her coach that's a, called a guiding light, her parents love her, her coach is kind, she has a good life, but the summary then goes, those are her human concerns, mm. and she grew up on stories about deep sea creatures and mythical creatures and things like that, and it says one of the creatures that she's always longed to become is a mermaid. Then it just kind of, the summary talks about how she dreams of the scent of chlorine, the feel of it on her skin, and that no matter the pain, no matter what anyone else thinks, no matter how much blood she has to spill, she's going to make a life for herself where she can be free. The cover grabbed my attention when I looked it up, but also just kind of the idea of a mystical take of someone 
figuring out what they want to be in life mm-hmm. and having that freedom of choice, mm-hmm. but having to fight against a sort of life desired or by other people like friends and family and tradition and sort of how do you stay true to yourself kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm really interested to see, understand the mystical side of it, of turning into a mermaid, but the fact that it's saying it's a dark and selling horror tale as well, I kind of want to see what kind of things it dives into, no pun intended. Interesting. I'm hearing this and it sounds like the process we all go through of determining who we are in view of personal and, and societal pressures and what path do we carve for ourselves within those parameters. So, but as you're describing it, not knowing the direction, this is this going to be a tale of liberation? Is this going to be a be careful what you wish for kind of story? Yeah, especially whenever it builds it up as her life is perfect already. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where... Is comfort really more of a prison than discomfort kind of thing Mm -hmm. where even though everything's great, would it be better if she pursues something more of what she actually desires? It Mm -hmm. makes me, my favorite book ever is Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. And part of it is because I love the arguments of both sides where it does it in a way where you understand the reasoning of both sides so well to where you're even kind of torn on. Well, maybe it is okay if you gave up freedom of expression art, if you, everyone gets to live a lot longer Mm -hmm, and there's no mm -hmm. disease, there's no war and stuff. But at the same time you take away art and religion and literature and Mm -hmm. all this other stuff. So I'm interested to see if this is kind of like a microcosm of that in terms of your own choice and being true to yourself and finding out who that true self is. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that description really grabbed my attention and I've really been trying to read more debut novels by new writers Mm -hmm. because I always try really hard to read classics and authors that everyone's read. So Mm -hmm. it's sort of a hipster reader of me where I want to find <laughs> someone before everyone reads them kind of thing. I get that. It's like part of me really wants to know what everybody's excited about. And part of me goes, I want to have this hidden gem. Exactly. That yeah. I have discovered. I mean, over the years of reading, I have found those hidden gems, or at least for me. And of course, hidden gems for everybody is different because what's resonating with you and what's resonating you is often people putting into words what you've always thought but never could articulate Mm. or resonates with your own experiences yeah there's a very little known book by the author of Anne of Green Gables Mm. Ellen Montgomery called The Blue Castle it's something of a, a romance although very different than the type of romances we would read today but there's so much about the main character that resonates with me Mm. that even though people who are readers rarely say they have a favorite book because it's like as they say picking your favorite child i I think that actually and this is really saying a lot pushed out lord of the rings as my top spot oh wow that's quite the and but they're they're almost (laughs) neck and neck because i love both of those very much but for very different reasons yeah for sure what's your next book So this was interesting. There are, as you know, different kind of political theories and social theories and mathematical theories. Most people have heard of game theory, and Mm -hmm. that's a mathematical type of theory. This book goes into one of the political theories that you hear described, but I was unfamiliar with. The title is On Nixon's Madness, an Emotional History by Zachary Jacobson. In this book, they are describing the intentional approach of Nixon in what's called the madman theory. And in politics, the madman theory 
is that if you are facing other enemies and powerful enemies, intentionally coming across as volatile and not entirely stable can actually be protective because if they aren't quite sure what you're going to do, if they set you off, they might be a little less likely to try to trigger you. In the book, in the description that I read, they do describe that as a very, a gamble. It's a gamble because what if it doesn't have that impact? Sounds like geopolitical chicken. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's a really good way, I think, of describing it. And of course, this has been ascribed to other people in the past. You know, the first person that came to my mind, of course, is the leader of North Korea. It's very much that whole, how stable is this guy? And what would he do if you made him really angry? (laughs) You know? But to hear about this described as an intentional political approach surprised me. And so, of course, this book is all about how he used this approach in his facing down of uh, the Soviet-era Cold War enemies. And I wonder how much of that played into the other risks he took domestically. Yeah, for sure. Especially if it's no one knows what kind of ace up your sleeve you're going to be carrying and how, right. how far you're willing to go. I mean, a lot of political theory is really interesting. I remember taking a class in college on um, like international affairs. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot about the Cold War where some political scientists called the Cold War the one time like in world history that there was almost total peace, uh, or at least between two major powers. Like, yeah, yeah, there were the satellite wars like Vietnam and things like that. But due to the armament of nuclear arms and that whole thing, it was one of those things where there was no one clear nation with the advantage, so to speak. So it was sort of nobody wanted to have a balanced even out and have a draw kind of thing because right. if you have a draw there's no winner kind of thing right, exactly. so bringing up the topic of the madman theory that's like an extra caveat to toss into that especially when it was in the cold war mm-hmm. so yeah that sounds super interesting really but i would definitely be interested in reading that book just to understand that kind of a mindset although it's also one of those things that could keep you awake oh man we were so close to war at that one moment you know <laughs> yeah it's a little frightening for sure yeah there have definitely been stories oh yeah The thought of that is um, unsettling, but better to know, I guess. (laughs) All right. So you're up next, I believe. Yeah. The next book I saw that grabbed my attention was Poverty by America. The author is Matthew Desmond, who I definitely read up about him and I thought it was really interesting uh, that he's a social scientist and urban ethnographer. Hopefully that's how you pronounce that. I definitely had to look up what an ethnographer was. So would you define that for us? From my quick recall of the one sentence I read a couple hours ago, (laughs) basically someone who studies and is knowledgeable of a particular culture or group of people and how they react to the world, I guess. Don't quote me on that. I mean, just Google it like I did. Okay. (laughs) Um, But he had previously wrote a book called Evicted Poverty and Profit in the American City, which had won the Pulitzer for nonfiction and the Carnegie Medal and a bunch of other awards. And this person also is listed among the Politico 50 as one of the 50 people across the country who are most influencing the national political debate. But essentially, it's a huge study on poverty. And from what I assume from the summary, it's a lot of why are things the way they are now? Why are things that happened in the past mm-hmm. that 
have created the way things are now and how does this affect people and what's kind of like the cycle of it. There's lots of social issue, current issue type books like that mm-hmm. where it gives you sort of the history and and shows you the real world examples that are happening today. It made me think of a couple other books I'd read, one being Weapons of Math Destruction, mm-hmm. um, Big Data. It talks about like the algorithms and data collection and things mm-hmm. like that and sort of that cycle and how that affects the world that we live in today. Mm-hmm. And it also reminded me of the book Cast by Isabel Wilkerson, I believe. Okay. Um, and that was sort of a book on race issues and that history and, you know, just sort of those events that have happened. A lot of times when I see books like this, especially one that's being considered one of the most anticipated books of 2023 and it's only March, I'm sort of maybe I should stag this. I went ahead and put on hold and there's already like people ahead of me for it. So I guess I'm in good company in terms of like wanting to read something to Mm -hmm. maybe get a little more light on some topics I only know a little bit about. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I'll definitely be interested in your take once you've read it. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see if I can get through that. Sometimes these books, Sirius is a bit of a lesser of a term in terms of describing the issue, I would say, but mm-hmm. I remember reading Cast took me a while to read because I had to put it down mm-hmm. and just because some of the stories were just so horrific right. that I just needed to take a break from it and then yeah. get back into it. And I'm like, oh, is this going to do the same thing where I'm going to check it out, have it for my three weeks, only get halfway mm-hmm. And then wait a while to read it again. So. I definitely experience that. I'll read something that's got a real heavy topic to it. And I I often have to pace myself as I go through it. And then I often will read after that what I call a palate cleanser. Oh, for sure. Something to just go, okay, but everything's not grim. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But at the same time, I do feel like we have to take unflinching looks at the issues that we deal with if we're going to find genuine solutions and sustainable ones. Mm-hmm. So. All right, I have one more book on my list. This is called Her Lost Words by Stephanie Marie Thornton. Even though it's a novel, it's not nonfiction. It is fictional. It is a historical fictional novel of Mary Wollstonecraft, who wrote mm-hmm. A Vindication of the Rights of Woman, And her daughter, Mary Shelley, who, of course, is the author of Frankenstein. And so even though it's fictional, it goes into the life that Mary Wollstonecraft, how she lived, the household she grew up with. She, it sounds like, had a very volatile father. And so, you know, some people who experience that learn to stay hidden and become timid. And it sounds like she was the polar opposite. Mm. Of that, where she was out there finding her ways to be safe, but also challenging the norms and and speaking out against what she considered and I consider um, the unfairness of the imbalance between male and female roles uh, historically in her time period. And then, of course, her daughter, Mary Shelley. On a rainy week out at, was it Byron Shelley's house? They all did that competition of who can write the spookiest story, and she came up with yeah, the beginnings of Frankenstein. And basically invented horror almost. Exactly. <laughs> I've heard her described as the godmother of the horror genre. Basically, this novel explores the lives of these literary greats, what shaped their lives, and, and how they challenged the status quo of their time, and how their words inspired generations. Mm. I love people like Mary Wollstonecraft 
in the sense that we like to make excuses for past behavior because, oh, well, but that was the way it was then. But you always have those people who were ahead of their time. I get that they were the standouts, and I get that the rest of the culture was telling everybody, no, 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 they're wrong, and this is really the correct way. And I get that nobody's going to change their mind overnight, but I love those standouts that go, no, not everybody fell for this. Pre-Civil War America, there were already the abolitionists. In the colonial times, there were those people who went, no, slavery is a bad idea, you know. And so there's always those standouts. So we can't really use the excuse of, well, that's just the way it was then. Because it's the way it was because people don't think, challenge, and question themselves. Yeah, it definitely makes me think back to a book I'm reading now, The Secret History of Wonder Woman and Mm -hmm. the creators of that. Because a lot of that stems from a lot of the feminism suffragette movement of the early 1900s late 1800s mm-hmm. and reading through that and seeing how granted i still got a ways to go through the book but some of the people involved in the creation of wonder woman were so close to margaret sanger and like a bunch of like big names involved mm-hmm. in that they kind of found their own in order to bring about the change and right. attention to issues. So it was really interesting. I feel like even Mary Wollstonecraft was mm-hmm. also mentioned in this book as well. And it's just kind of crazy just how, not really like a butterfly effect, but just it shows how intertwined a lot of these different That's true. people are throughout time and how they are connected to certain ideals and things like that. Do you have any more on your list? I didn't have another book, but then earlier today, Cassie, who I work with at Red Bank, uh, we are both really into graphic novels. Mm -hmm. And she told me, hey, this is on Hoopla. And it's volume two of Nice House on the Lake by James Tinian IV, who is one of my favorite authors and graphic novels right now. We had both read and a couple other people I know had read Nice House on Lake Volume 1 and it was kind of a, a surprise that it popped up. I think Cassie went to try and get a physical copy ordered for our system recently, uh-huh. but it is on Hoopla. It's only on Hoopla through us currently. We'll hopefully get a physical copy, but it just came out today on March 7th on Hoopla. It's the second volume of a story where... There's this guy named Walter, and he has a close-knit group of friends, and they all met them at different points in their life. Maybe they're childhood friends, or they met in college, or whatever, and he invites them all to his nice house on the lake. Right. And basically, it's a it looks into all their intertwined relationships and things like that, but something kind of supernatural happens where they are confined to that area, mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where you want so badly to tell someone like what happens, mm-hmm. but if you do, it takes away that shock value of finding it out. Cause it just makes the story. It, it just takes it to another level. Right. But James Tinian, he's done a couple of Batman comics that mm-hmm. were amazing. He's done department of truth. He's done something is killing the children, which is one of my favorite books. Wow. So this just came out and I was super excited. So it's something I'm actually literally just started. I'll have to look for that author. I actually have a graphic display right now. Oh, awesome. Uh, over at McCullough. The book that I just started, it's actually a memoir. And I really read probably more fiction, nonfiction. But this one is a memoir. And it's about a woman who 
was born into and grew up in a cult out in California, lived super off-grid. And Is it foragers? Very, yes, that's it. Oh, I just processed that. <laughs> yeah, forager field notes on surviving a family cult. And so I've only just begun it. I finished the introduction and kind of have gotten partway into chapter one. And I'm finding it really interesting just for its own sake. I read um, Educated and oh, yeah. some of the others that are similar in nature. And I guess maybe it makes me think of that historical comment. There's always those people who do question the status quo, even when everybody's saying, no, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and so I always find those characters the most interesting even if the questioning is wrong i admire people who will ask the question Mm. well thanks chase for coming in i was very interested in the books that you mentioned and that is another occupational hazard of this because i didn't need to add more books yeah my um holds list probably just doubled now so (laughs) (laughs) happens to me all the time Anyway, thanks again for coming in. For everybody out there listening, please join us every month as we talk about new books, new items coming to our systems. These are just the very small tip of the iceberg of the many, many things that come in in every format. Please reach out to evpl.org with any questions for any of these titles that were mentioned or others that are coming. And uh, we'll hear you next time. TBR is a series of the EVPL Footnotes podcast. Please like, follow, and subscribe for more great episodes. For comments or questions, our email address is podcast at evpl.org.